0: Triple HFM Sports in association with Atlas Chartered Accountants. The Post, Hornsby RSL and ISC Sports welcomes you to Splinters, your no-holds barred sports podcast. And now here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters on Triple
1: H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at triple hfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triple hfm.com.au, and wherever you get your podcast. F The Bull Caruso back with you for another episode. And oh boy, the engines are firing, the fans are screaming. It can only mean one thing, ladies and gentlemen. We are inside a week from the start of the 2023 Formula One season. It's been way too long with the with the winter break. All the testing is done. The car reveals have been done. The silly season is over. Well, we think that, but this is Formula One. Silly season never finishes up. We are going to give you the unofficial preview of what has happened, and we're going to give you our thoughts of what's, what we think could end up shaping up to be another cracking year of Formula One. Joining us once again this year is our Chief Motoring Correspondent, Tace Wiggins. Good evening to you. Good evening, sir. Short testing, way
2: shorter than last year, so it's pretty action-packed and a lot of people with a lot to prove, so pretty keen to get into it all.
1: Absolutely. Joining us tonight to make his debut with Triple H Sport, also joining us from our good friends at The Post, Riley Warner, good evening to you.
3: Yeah, thanks, Anthony. Really excited to be on and uh, chat about what should be, hopefully, a cracking year of F1. Absolutely. I can't wait for it. As I can
1: see now, the five lights are up. We are all set to start. I know we're not going to be doing this in terms of Crofty. We're doing this in, in honor of the late, great Murray Walker. Am I right there, Tace? Absolutely. It's a, such a shame to have him gone. Been watching a lot of old
2: Grand Prix and he was so charismatic, so dynamic. They will oh. long be missed.
1: Oh, mate, all we need now is just hear hear him screaming and it's go, go, go. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Splinters. I'm going to kick things off here tonight with our first part and it's a very quick one to go through, Taste It's the team changes, uh, mainly the announcement of rebadging and title sponsors. So take us through it.
2: Yeah, it was, a, it was a short-lived transition for Red Bull away from Honda to Red Bull Powertrains, but they're going to be rebadged again this year as Honda. Um, they've still got technical support in the background with them, so that should be good for them. It's nice and simple in the power unit area for them. Uh, Alfa Romeo getting rid of Orlin as a title sponsor and bringing on cryptocurrencies, uh, an interesting point and has a lot of implications for Robert Kubica. And then Haas obviously bringing in MoneyGram, which should help them reach the cost cap this year, which last year they didn't even make it to.
1: Well, this is the thing I'm sort of looking at this, Riley, is that you would have thought that after the FTX collapse with Mercedes last year, that a few teams would have been a little bit coy about bringing in cryptocurrency sponsors. Oh,
3: boy, how wrong I am. Ah, oh, seems like it's the big thing now. Everyone, uh, Everyone's going crypto and, I mean, wasn't long before all the F1 teams jumped on board despite what happened to Mercedes. Yeah, everyone seems to be jumping on the crypto train.
1: With that, we're gonna go straight into the the driver changes. And the first I'm gonna to go to each of our each of our gentlemen as we go through to discuss some of these. And first off, Taste, a fairly straightforward one with Sebastian Vettel announcing his retirement. Fernando Alonso has joined Aston Martin. Yeah, they've dumped a world
2: champion and got a new one. Um It should be interesting. We all saw the fiasco that went on last year with Alpine with the whole contract thing, Um, but the car's looking strong. Fernando's always outspoken and always quick, so it's going to be interesting this year to see where he can move them relative on the ladder to how they went last year.
1: Is, is, Is it still there for the lord of the eyebrows?
2: I think so. He's not shown anything to show that his spirit is diminished at all. He's still as clear in his direction as ever, and he's still quick. He's very quick as long as getting- the car's reliable for him. So I expect to see good performances from him this year, maybe even a
3: podium. Go ahead, Riley. Honestly, it seems like he's getting sort of better and better as he gets older. I don't know. Maybe it's the um, the leadership role he's sort of taking on, but aging like a fine wine. Mm. Indeed. Well, let's go back to you, Riley.
1: And I think the big sh- one of the big shocks we saw last year was Pierre Gasly leaving Alpha
3: Tauri. We all thought that this was going to happen. But to Alpine? I know. I guess that's going to be one of the big talking points of this year. I was sort of sad to see Yuki and Gasly split up. They had a nice little thing going for them there, um, a very cute little relationship. But, look, I'm keen to see Ocon, who left 2022 with some form and, uh, you know, an experienced, hungry Gasly team up. And I don't know, maybe some fireworks for both the drivers. uh, Hopefully not a headache for Alpine. But, yeah, only time will tell.
1: I, I could see this just exploding taste, and this this could be the stuff of legends for Drive to Survive if this does explode. Oh,
2: that would be pure gold, yeah. Ocon is not the most popular driver on the grid between like for most drivers, and he's shown that he's very aggressive. He's always aggressive, always going for moves, not shy of teammates ever, so it should be interesting. Gasly's also quite uncompromising, and being the whole French marquee thing, I'm sure they'll love to keep the vibe positive but how many races we get through before it goes wrong is yet to be seen
1: sticking with you taste the announcement obviously of nick defrice joining alpha tower to replace pierre gasly it's about time he joined the grid long overdue yeah he proved
2: himself in formula 2 he then went to formula e proved himself there the bloke's 28 now so for him to be a rookie at that age is quite unheard of but he's clearly talented one race last year points finish great drive So I'm pretty excited to see what he can do as long as the car is there for him, which is yet to be seen.
1: We then go over to Daniel Ricciardo Riley. Um, Of course, he has been paid out from his contract with McLaren. He's gone back to Red Bull as a test and reserve driver and as a brand ambassador. Do you get the feeling that maybe they're doing this to put some pressure on Checo Perez?
3: Oh, Look, that's the thing I've been thinking about for the last few weeks. I'm pumped to see the season start for Red Bull. I mean, they look great, but... I don't know. It kind of was dicey between Checo and Max towards the back end of the year. I mean I can only dream and I'd love to see Daniel hop behind a Red Bull wheel again. Um but yeah, I don't know. It's one of the, it's up in the air at the moment for me.
1: And then of course
3: that was that's
1: one half of taste the entire fiasco that was the Piastri affair. Oh, that was like a mess from their perspective, but
2: an absolute gift from ours, I think. the Having him come out on Twitter minutes after being announced and saying, nah, I'm not driving for you, was, <laughs> I've not seen anything like that in my time. So yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, clear that he was in the right as the CRB ruled that McLaren had a valid contract with him. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing them meet each other on track and see if any of it's carried over into driving.
1: I mean, dead set, the nerve of this guy. I've seen some of his videos of when he was in F2 with Prema. And you could just get the sense back then that he, this guy here just pulls no punches and he's so cerebral in the way that he he just needles you.
2: Yeah, he should represent the country well. Obviously, it's a shame to lose Ricardo. He was one of the best ambassadors for Australia, I think we've had in sports. But, yeah, Piastri looks quick. There's a lot of hype about him. So we'll see if he comes through or not. But, um, yeah, we
1: expect big things. Riley, the next one for you and a very sad day, obviously,
3: for Formula 1, Go Teefy is no more. <laughs> mm, I know. It was, look, it was sad to see Latifi or Go go. He's such a cult hero uh, for the sport, um, especially towards the end there. But, hey, hopefully he gives it a red-hot crack in what looks like maybe jumping in behind an IndyCar um, and maybe becoming another legend. Of that sport as well, so I don't know. <laughs> we'll see how we go there.
1: <laughs> Logan Sarge coming in should be fascinating to see how he goes with that one. Taste Nico Hulkenberg coming into Haas to replace Mick Schumacher, and that's yeah. caused a few changes within its own rights with a couple of the teams.
2: Yeah, yeah, Hulkenback has been a big a big theme over the the winter break. Uh, I think this is what his third stint or second stint in Formula One now. Like people keep leaving and coming back. Uh, Hopefully the car's competitive because we've seen him get up to fourth, uh, seen him crash out of a podium position in Germany, but haven't seen him get that podium yet, despite being on the grid from what, 2010, quick gap 2011 and then through to 2019. So it should be interesting. Him and Magnussen in the same team as well after the Hungary incident. should be
1: (laughs) fascinating to watch. No mentioning of the line here. This is a family-friendly show. <laughs> family-friendly yeah. show. Uh, of course, as a result of that, Mick Schumacher going to Mercedes to become their test and reserve driver, and Felipe Drogovic announces the new test and reserve driver for Aston Martin. Riley, Olin leaving Alfa Romeo for Alpine has had an impact on the reserve driver, but we could see a future superstar coming through.
3: Yeah, so um, Theo Pushar slotting into a pretty exciting team this year as a reserve driver. I mean, who knows? Hopefully he has a crack at the car. At some point, it would be good to see him uh, because he's got some serious pace. He does, and Tace, he was unlucky not to win F2 last year as a rookie and would have been, correct me or wrong, he
1: would have actually been the youngest ever winner of F2 if he won last year. Yeah, it would have
2: been interesting to see if he got uh, a drive um, considering that. I'm not sure where he's at on super license points, but he's definitely there considering hype in the community. So... It's good for him to be in a team, good for him to be around that and have the experience and be able to get out, do some test drives and get his eye in for Formula 1 because it's no doubt seats permitting that he'll be here within the next one or two years.
1: Of course, there hasn't been driver changes over the, over the course of last year in the off-season. We've also seen some significant administrative changes. And Tace, we come to you, the biggest one of the lot and the one close to your heart and my heart mm-hmm. as well, the announcement that Mattia Binotto resigned as team principal of Ferrari. Yeah, look, Matias' reign was controversial
2: amongst fans and just spectators in general. Um, I think 2019 was such a hopeful season. He didn't have much chance to do much in 2020, 2021 with us getting back on top of the engine. But last year was so hard to watch as a Ferrari fan, as I'm sure you agree. We had such a great opportunity. And then to have Red Bull absolutely trounce us like that and Mercedes get close, considering the first three races was... Difficult to watch. So, Mattia going, I think, is the right call for the team. Thank you for your service, but farewell. Um, and Fred Vasseur is just such a no nonsense professional and intelligent bloke that I expect to see the strategy blunders gone. I expect to see the drivers really confident, especially the Claire, having worked with them at ART and F2. Uh, and I want some results. I think everyone does. So, it should be interesting.
1: There's, there's one thing I'm going to miss from this
2: <laughs> Spinala. <laughs> Spinala. Spinala. <laughs> Yeah, it was great for memes, very great for memes, but bad for my mental health after watching races. So, yeah.
1: It's all I ever did was watch the race and then just wait 12 hours and see the memes pop out yeah. from Alpha <laughs> Max Nova.
2: Yeah, yeah, they were classic. Anywhere you looked in the F1 community was just trolling. So, yeah, we'll miss him, but, you know. Fred should do a better job, I think.
1: Riley, an interesting one here and probably a bit of a homecoming with the next announcement here. Andreas Seidel leaving McLaren to become the CEO of Sauber Motorsport, taking over from Fred Vasseur. But there's a bit of a relationship here and a bit of a long tail to go with this.
3: Yeah, like, I don't know. I really liked Andreas as a principal. Um, So I feel it was sad to see him go for McLaren as a uh, a team who will probably miss him in 2023 given... They're testing horrors. But I guess it's really good for Audi's twenty twenty-six F one debut. It
1: will be. Bit of a homecoming going on there. And then Taste with that the announcement of a promotion to replace him as Team Principal of McLaren.
2: Yeah, Andrea Stella, he's been in the team for a while and he's he's proven that he has the pedigree to step up and do the role. He's also been watching for that long. So similar to the James Val situation, he knows what to do and he's familiar with the people and the processes. So it'll be interesting to see how he manages the difficulties that McLaren's encountered at the start of this year.
1: And then Riley, the announcement at Williams of just Capito leaving, but what a name to become team principal at Williams.
3: Yeah, look, val's won eight constructor championships with Mercedes as the strategist. So He's a massive inclusion for Williams. Um, He also seems really keen to jump on board. So I guess positive movements for Williams for sure. Will they make a bid for Valtteri Bottas?
1: (laughs) They might, but Valtteri's not accepting that. (laughs)
2: There's
1: no chance. James, it's Valtteri. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Run along. Yeah. And a, a fascinating one that occurred during the middle of last year, obviously one of the pressures of the cost cap uh, forcing this change to occur, Taste, But what a coup this was. And I think probably the most underrated coup of last year. Yeah, the
2: Dan Fallows coming from Red Bull to Aston Martin is fascinating from a technical perspective. They've taken a few. They've From Mercedes and Red Bull, they've gotten a few uh, pretty major signings at this point. So they look like they're starting to build on their promise of being a championship contending team over the next few years. Uh, This year, they're looking a bit better. They have stronger people in place, strong driver, clear direction. So yeah, they're a fascinating team to watch at the moment and all the way through, I think, till about 2026 when we expect to see them, based on their goals, fighting up there with the top three.
1: Well, I mean, who is ever going to knock back Big Daddy Stroll's cash? (laughs) Yeah, it's a fact. He's got a lot of it. He he does. Don't worry, we know. <laughs> Without and by the way, uh Lawrence and I am gonna use his actual name Strollovich. Yeah, you know, wow. if you've got some money, we wouldn't mind some here, you know. Swing it over. <laughs> yeah, just you know. Enhance the broadcasting a bit. <laughs> exactly, just a bit. Just a bit. We then move on to the calendar changes here, and I'm just going to rattle through these very quickly and just get your thoughts on these changes here. So uh, the Qatar Grand Prix makes its return, means it has. we've now got four races in the Middle East, and I guess five include Azerbaijan. Um, The Las Vegas Grand Prix makes its return, um, and it's going to be along the Las Vegas Strip, and the first time a race will be held in Las Vegas since the god-awful 1982 Caesars Palace Grand Prix. Mm. Uh, The Russian Grand Prix is dead. Buried, cremated. Gone. Gone. See you later. The French Grand Prix has been dropped altogether. We'll get some thoughts from the boys in a second. And then probably one of the more hilarious ones, the Chinese Grand Prix was dropped due to China's attempt at COVID-0. The Chinese government then announced that it was dropping that policy three weeks after the announcement. Unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. Who does
2: that? What government do you see do that? They say, yes, yes, let's go for this. And then three weeks, and they're like, you know what?
1: This is unattainable. Never mind. I wonder if I wonder if it is because they lost the Grand Prix. They just went, oh. <laughs> yeah, bugger it. Yeah. Oh, we didn't think you were gonna do that. Okay. Your thoughts on the calendar changes, gentlemen.
2: Uh personally,
1: oh. Qatar, I'm pretty chuffed about. Um, it was literally today
2: that I watched Hamilton's pole lap around there and it it was electric. So that should be exciting to see return,
3: rightly. Oh, look, I'm I'm pretty wrapped. The French Grand Prix Grand, uh, Grand Prix was dropped. Pretty unsightly track. Um, a lot going on for the eyes when those cars are going around the track. So, thumbs up for me for that one. But I'm also keen yeah. for those six sprint races as well. I think they are going to be game changers on the calendar. Yeah, we'll get to those ones in a moment. But I think anyone who suffers epilepsy and is
1: an F1 fan <laughs> will be very happy that the French Grand Prix is gone. Um, to me, Las Vegas. Ser- I mean, if if Miami is not cringe enough, Las no. Vegas. Yeah, they have a lot to
2: prove. I mean, Miami, when they put in that, um, what was it, that fake uh marina was embarrassing. Um, and then Las Vegas, the track looks lackluster. The ticket prices and packages are ridiculous. So they definitely have a lot to prove this year that they are worth being on the Formula One calendar.
1: I mean... What, what I'm almost of the opinion that they should just spend the extra bit of money go upgrade Watkins Glen and let's go return to upstate oh, New York imagine that
2: yeah that would be phenomenal and the that's full, a the track.
1: full the full Watkins Glen not the indie circuit the full one
2: yeah. yeah yeah that would be much better than a you know dodgy casino run around some buildings
1: or going to a track around some random stadium with a whole bunch of instagram influencers who don't know what formula 1 is all about yeah just feels a bit tacky for the sport doesn't it oh i'm sorry tacky miami what hang on what are we talking about again never <laughs> never. <laughs> never, no, of course not of course not
0: mm.
1: we're going to get into the regulation changes now these are obviously a little bit more technical um can get a little bit dreary but you have to. people have to remember um and taste you're a massive nerd about this like i am The regulation changes are always incredibly fascinating because they do change the overall behavior of some of these cars.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And with the storyline that porpsing was last year since the return of ground effect, uh, the raising of the floor is very interesting. 15 mil is not a lot, but we saw in testing, a lot of teams have improved uh, the porpsing they had. Um, It did still rear its head with Alpine and Ferrari, I think noticeably, probably running um, low setups, you know, low to the ground, but... It should be interesting to see from track to track how that impacts the
1: racing. And that's going to be interesting as well because the key to that is going to, part of the key to that is going to be how well they set up the suspension, especially with some of the teams about whether, whether they're running pull rod or push rod suspensions yep. at the front or the rear.
2: Yep, yep. Um, it's definitely going to be a talking point. We know, I think it's Red Bull. Oh, I can't remember the others, but a few of them have opted for the pull rod at the front for the low center of gravity. Yeah. Um, so how that affects the floor and where it sits further down in the car will be interesting as well. So yeah, we'll we'll see how it impacts. But high speed circuits, it's going to be fascinating to see what the teams opt for.
1: A, a bit of a no nonsense one, this one, Riley, about the rounded top on the cars.
3: Yeah, uh, rounded top now compulsory on the on the roll hoop, reducing the chancing of the car digging into the ground during an accident. Um, obviously this is following the horrific crash by uh, poor Joe Guanyu last year. Uh, the British Grand Prix, that was just absolutely horrendous. What Pull happened? Yeah, yeah that was and props for George Russell. Even though I'm not the biggest Russell fan, props for him getting out and having a, having a run over to check if he was all right. Oh, I big agree on that. Not my
2: favorite driver, but oh, he got no. red flagged because of that. They said, oh, you hopped out of the car, blah, 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 blah. So the car couldn't have gone. And he said, no, I had three wheels, but I could have got it back and I could have kept racing, but they didn't let him rejoin. So the fact that he prioritized another driver's health over his own race, whether he was aware
3: of the consequence or not, was really good to see. Yeah, the red flag definitely stiff, but good thing to see Russell thinking about someone else other than himself. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> what
1: do you expect from a guy who spends more time taking topless sh- photos of himself on Instagram than actually racing? Yeah, yeah Solid man. Gen Z is one of us for sure. <laughs> oh, mate, he just he just loves a good flex, doesn't he? Yeah, I wonder if he picked. I wonder if he picked that up from from being so close to Mercedes and watching Lewis Hamilton do it when, yeah. whenever he gets thirsty. Oh, Lewis and he's pouting over the last, what, 15 years? It's never ended. Oh, jeez. I don't need to be reminded of that, to be honest. Um, <laughs> taste the slot gap separators. Now, this is going to be interesting because we're going to come back to this in the second half when we go through the testing and the car reveals.
2: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because last year we had Mercedes try and put, you know, devices on the front wing that they said was slot gap separators that looked to have an aerodynamic effect. So the FIA said probably not. They took it off the car. Then the wording has been changed this year. So it's it doesn't have to be there for solely mechanical purposes, but it's a bit of a gray area as to how aerodynamic it can be. So Ferrari, we have them on our front wing. They're pointing outwards. It looks like we're trying to influence the outwash of the air around the tires. Uh, I didn't hear about any complaints through testing um, and no one as of yet seems to have tried to implement the same thing. So it looks like it's going to be a talking point at least over the first couple of races, um, but its effect performance-wise is yet to be seen.
1: Mirror's increased in size by 50 millimeters. nothing really to talk home about. But, Riley, the tyre changes for this year, this is interesting, especially mm. when it comes to quality.
3: Yeah, so these are some pretty bizarre new changes. Even me look, looking at them now, sort of. you can only use hard tyres in Q1 only use medium tyres in Q2, and now you can only use soft tyres in Q3. So very interesting for quality. This is all assuming the weather is dry, but it should be exciting for qualifying in 2023, sort of bringing those teams together. And Just Quickly be- on
2: that, can I take a poll between us? Who misses the whatever tyres you ran in Q2 start the race on rule? I do miss it. I miss that. I thought it was great. Yeah.
3: Riley? Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, so it should be interesting, but it does mean that, through practice, the teams have to make sure the car's operating well on all three tyre compounds, and especially for the back of the grid.
1: The hards, they need to
2: make sure that they're quick on
1: to get out of Q1. And I think the other thing as well is that this is only going to be trial at two races, right, They and they haven't confirmed which races they're going to be. But further on to that taste, there's been an increase in the compounds.
2: Yeah, so what we had as the C1 last year is now the C0, Um, They had a lot of complaints that it was too hard, and we saw that the difference between the C1 and the C2 was quite wide often, and so we wouldn't really see it be used at all during the weekend. So C1 from last year becoming the C0 this year, and then a new compound in between, a bit of a compromise is the C1, should improve uh, the racing a bit and give Pirelli a bit more flexibility as to the tyre allotments that they give to each track.
1: And it's going to be fascinating to see if they, whenever they go to that race, whether it actually gets used going forward, because I can just see that becoming um, a tire that that C zero in particular, would it actually be used at certain racetracks? I mean, the only one that comes to mind where they would probably use it would be something like Monza where it doesn't actually take long to get those tires up to temperature.
2: Yeah. And degradation is negligible there as well. So yeah, for durability and performance, we'll see. Um, But Honestly, I could see it becoming a bit of an obsolete. Tie. It's interesting to see what, whether they cut it from the range in the coming years, or how much it's used by the teams this year.
1: A couple of other me- uh, minor announcements. Obviously, we know the budget cap's playing a big role. It's down from one hundred forty-two point two million US dollars to one hundred thirty-five million US dollars. That's even allowing for inflation that's happening at this point. The preseason testing is reduced from six to three days. Six sprints, as, as was mentioned before, Azerbaijan, Austria, Belgium, Qatar, USA, Austin, and Sao Paulo. All political gestures must be approved by the FAA. And a fun one here, Riley, proof of vaccination is no longer required for those working in the paddock.
3: And that mm. means that we have had confirmation that there is someone returning. I know, it'll be good. But uh, Nico Rosberg may be back on the paddock after... <laughs> now not not having to show his proof of vaccination which was new to me as well i'm pretty sure what what, like what do you reckon tate i didn't know this was a big drama for him yeah that went
2: over my head that that was a thing that was required in the paddock but it makes sense because nico was all over the place (laughs) Um, his meme as well is all over the internet still with his finger guns in front of the fire (laughs) classic so if we can get a few more of those this year with him back that would be great but yeah definitely a regulation i wasn't really that aware of
1: well, all, all I'm looking forward to in terms of that is that um, he's going to bring some spice to the commentary once again. And of course, we should mention as well, very late news in terms of the commentary team this year from Sky Sports that Johnny Herbert will not be returning, but I think we're all celebrating that there will be no more Paul DeResta. No, what do you mean? You didn't like Paul DeResta? I don't. Oh, I, mean, I loved his the way he The way he butchers purple sectors.
2: Oh, yeah. Okay. Look, he's not <laughs> perfect, but I liked that a driver, what was he? I think it was 2012 or 13, probably 12 was his last season um, in Formula One. So he was relatively recent. So I liked the insights he provided. Yeah, Definitely. I think one for the rest of the two. What? Oh, I can't believe I'm alone here. <gasps> He'll be busy in weck with Peugeot and their program. So that's good to have him back on track. But I thought he was great.
1: I, I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss a little bit of Johnny Herbert. I don't think he offered too much in terms of, of commentary, but I thought he was just like that genuinely likable character throughout the paddock. Yeah, he was a funny guy. He had he had some comedic value. Uh
2: in terms of commentary, yeah, I'm not gonna miss him too much, but he was a fun presence in what can sometimes be a tense environment. So he will be missed.
1: Yeah, it's it's gonna be a shame. What I do hope that they do from this is that we get to see more of Jensen Button. Yeah. Yeah, a
2: world champion. I think he's the most recent world champion they have in their broadcast as well. His insights are always great. His Mm. contribution's always great. He still has relationships with people in teams, especially McLaren, of course. So he gets good information and then relay through practice sessions and whatnot. So, yeah,
3: hopefully a bit more of him. That would be great. And and Riley, let's just face it. He's just a classy guy all around. He's a a good-looking rooster. Yeah, he's (laughs) he's a good bloke to have on the paddy. I don't mind when he comes up. I'll listen to what he has to say. Uh, you are not wrong he's not a bad looking guy is he still
1: <laughs> no, he's like, a little bit handsome no he's yeah you could know, <laughs> see him just popping up at the aqua lounge every now and then you know yeah, yeah. casual silver fox chilling in his chair. Exactly. Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to go through what was fascinating from the three car reveals and the three day testing in Bahrain. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Splinters on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at triple hfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triple hfm.com.au, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be right back. It's
0: time for the crew to catch their breath. We'll be back after this short break. Do you think the government deserves more of your hard-earned money? If not, make sure you talk to Atlas Chartered Accountants. Atlas Chartered Accountants makes sure the money you earn stays in your pocket through legal tax planning strategies from finding that last tax deduction to tax-effective business structures for asset protection purposes so you can invest in what really matters, your family and business. Visit their website at ihatetax.com.au. Atlas Chartered Accountants. They are dedicated to you and dedicated station sponsors of Triple H 100.1FM.
2: Your local RSL is at the heart of every community and there is none better in the Hornsby-Karingai area than the Hornsby RSL. Whether you're planning a major event, dinner with family or friends, or having a quiet night at your local, Hornsby RSL is the place to be. Rediscover what enjoying life is all about. With regular weekly events, special entertainment, and some of the best eateries in Sydney, we have you covered for a great night out. As always, drink responsibly. Support the club that supports. Come to Hornsby RSL at 4 High Street, Hornsby or get in touch on 94 777 777 and at hornsbyrsl.com.au. The Hornsby RSL, proud station sponsors of Triple H, 100.1 FM.
3: Want to look your sporting best on and off the field? Then make sure you get kitted out with ISC Sport teamwear. ISC Sport are Australia's leading name in custom sports uniforms with a wide range of sportswear tailored to your team's needs. 100% Australian-owned and fully customisable, ISC Sport cover all four winter codes and cricket, basketball, netball and hockey, as well as training and outerwear, ensuring you look the part when representing your community. As Don Rizzuto would say, look sharp and play pretty with ISC Sport. Visit their website iscsport.com for more information. ISC Sport, official clothing partners of Triple H 100.1
0: FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au. Looking for a fun night out with family and friends? Then come to the hidden gem in the Hornsby Coringai area, The Attic. Located inside Hornsby RSL, The Attic provides all the fun and excitement you can expect from a bowling and arcade bar in an intimate location that ensures a real gaming experience for everyone. With four 10-pin bowling lanes, Australia's first augmented reality bowling experience and a selection of traditional and custom-built arcade games, The Attic is the place to let your inner child run wild. So make sure you book your next night out at The Attic at 4 High Street Hornsby, call them on 94 or book via their website at theattichornsby.com.au. The Attic part of Hornsby RSL station sponsors of Triple H 100.1 FM Welcome back to Splinters your no holds
1: barred sports podcast Welcome back to Splinters on Triple H 100.1 FM streaming on the web at triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com/triplehfm.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts Anthony Caruso with Tace Wiggins and Riley Warner as we go through the preview of the 2023 Formula One seasons. We've gone through a few of the changes, especially with regards to driver, administration, technical changes. Now we get to the fun stuff, taste We get to the car reveals and the three-day testing in Bahrain.
2: Yeah, car reveals was a an interesting topic this year. It was a bit controversial with some cars revealing their actual 23 competitor, some not, and some doing it remarkably well. Um, yeah, the cars look much the same, but notable changes this year.
1: Well, let's go through with it. And Riley, we're going to come to you for a relatively easy one, and it's Alfa Romeo and a bit of a color change, color change a little yes. bit.
3: Yeah, a little bit switching the, the the white for a more black look uh, along with the state crypto taking over the title sponsor from All-In. Um, but yeah, sort of technical changes to the car, new rear suspension design allowing for more cooling and body works given the challenges with overheating from the last year, um, which which uh, seemed like a constant issue with all the Ferrari engines.
1: And then the other one as well, taste was the the slight redesign of the side pods, basically copying what Red Bull did with the very aggressive cutout from under the um, side pods to increase uh, outwash.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a concept that a lot of teams seem to have adapted from Red Bull uh, and their dominant car last year. So you can't blame them for making the changes considering the results they had last year. Um, the white to black, I think, looks great. But um, we know that it's largely a weight-saving mechanism that a lot of teams are using this year, considering how cumbersome a lot of the cars were. Um, But, yeah, their side pod revolution should be interesting to see how well they've adapted it and if it has the same effect that Red Bull's had or whether they need to make some more changes around the car to make it as efficient as possible.
1: We then got um, Williams coming in, and, Riley, I got a little bit excited with a couple of the new sponsors
3: yeah, look, uh, it was a similar livery from uh, last year. Duracell now a little bit more prominent, um, but the uh, the announcement of a multi-year deal with Golf Oil. So we could possibly see the return of that that golf livery. Oh, could we? Please,
2: taste, nice. Please.
3: <laughs> I don't know
2: anyone who didn't love that car that McLaren ran, in, ran at uh, Monaco. So if we could get that back, I think there'd be a lot, of, a lot of hype. It'd be good for Williams, so it gets their name out there a bit. Um, and yeah, that Dur- Duracell edition up on the roll hoop, right where the airbox is, is, is really slick. They've been very clever with the way they've integrated that into their, their paint job this year. So a good looking car, but it can be better if they go back to that golf livery.
3: Oh yeah, uh, that blue.
1: That, they look like they've just straight out copied um, Red Bull as well, and especially with the uh, repackaged rear end. Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah, I mean, a lot of teams copying Red Bull. Considering the result in the championship last year, you can't blame them. Um, they're allowed to take the philosophy of another car and try and integrate it into their own. Um, same as, uh, Will, uh, sorry, Alfa Romeo, though, it's going to be interesting to see how well they've done with it. Um, and considering they were the last two constructors on the grid last year, I think it'll show fairly quickly who's done the best job.
1: Speaking with, sticking with your taste for a little bit, Haas MoneyGram coming on board as a title sponsor. Um, they've gone back to the traditional colours of Haas, black, white, and red, which we're very happy to see. Um, not a lot to really talk about. They've sort of followed what Alfa Romeo have done in terms of their body structure. But we've seen some very positive noises come from Gunther Steiner with regards to the power unit.
2: Yeah, Gunther's been especially vocal about uh, Ferrari's work with the power unit. Um, we know that it was turned down early last year due to reliability. I think it was after Azerbaijan with the double DNF. Um, but they say a lot of work's been done and the reliability's been improved, which gives us 30 more horsepower, they say, at least. So Gunther, very vocal. He's been excited about that, hoping it'll move the team forward. Uh, Also MoneyGram coming, bit of a cash injection, more crypto boys coming on board with Formula One. Um, So it should be interesting to see with their combination of adapting Red Bull's side pod package type vibe with Ferrari's improved power unit to see where they move to on the grid this year.
1: And then, Riley, with Red Bull, well, they, they came to a lot of criticism considering it was a show car from last year. But there was a very big announcement that came with it.
3: Yeah, look, uh, there's a massive new announcement with the new edition being the return of Honda to the car. So very exciting for the for the Rebel team in 2023. And then 2026, even bigger news, I believe.
2: Yeah, we've got Ford coming back in as an engine manufacturer, which should be very interesting. They obviously have a pretty long history with the sport um, and multiple manufacturers. So it should be interesting to see how they adapt. Obviously, the MGU-H is going for 2026, so less of a disadvantage in having to develop uh, a power unit that competes with the others. But big name Ford and big name Red Bull. So it should be interesting to see how they integrate together.
1: Which is fascinating because, of course, we've got to remember back – back in the day, that this team started off as a um, as a customer, direct customer of Ford, then became a factory Ford team, then became Red Bull, is now going to go back to Ford.
2: Yeah, yeah. Their tie-up is Jaguar and Ford and all that. They have history, um, but, yeah, it's been, what was that? It was 2004 they were last year, so
1: 18 yeah. years out. Let's see how they re-acclimatise. The other news, of course, is that they have to go through. Red Bull will have a car ready for this year anyway, But it's 2024 that's going to be fascinating that you're going to see the full impact of the punishments they received for the uh, cost cap violations back in 2021.
2: Yeah, yeah. They're copping it for the cost cap and wind tunnel. So this season's going to be especially important for them. Hopefully they have, well, from their perspective, hopefully they have a big enough gap out front that that'll sort of mitigate the amount of damage they take from these losses. But 2024 certainly will be interesting. Assuming that... Uh, Mercedes get on top of their issues and Ferrari maybe improve their degradation and reliability. We could have a very, very tight fight at the front through 2024. So yeah, it's a definitely a storyline to watch.
3: Riley, AlphaTauri, not a lot to really talk about, is there? Yeah. Look, basically the same car as last year, but now with the introduction of All-End now, plus all over the car, but very, very similar car. But not a lot to really talk about there. Uh, taste. McLaren uh
1: should we be worried yeah I really think we should I don't think it's as bad
2: as last year but we saw throughout testing that they had a bunch of gremlins with their bodywork, mainly those wheel brows at the front you saw them reinforcing it a lot throughout testing um they reinforced it and then still had issues with them so they're clearly fighting the car a bit they didn't have I think they had one of the least amount of laps completed throughout the test Um, So, yeah, with Piastri coming in, it's a bit of a shame because I'm sure we'd all like to see him hop in the car and be, you know, Q3 competitive straight away. Um, But they're a bit of an unknown with their lack of running um,
1: and what is known is that they're having issues with their mechanical parts. Riley, Aston Martin, very little change for the livery from last year, which we all know was an absolute thing of beauty. Mm. But from what we've seen...
3: Every, it's a, we're a little bit giddy and a little bit excited about Aston Martin this year. Oh, I'm pumped to see Aston Martin this year, especially with the introduction of uh, Fernando Alonso uh, in that team. I think I have a feeling they're going to go really well. Also, I think they're going to be pushing for that top four position, the best of the rest. And I can see them nipping at the heels of Mercedes.
1: And what's what's fascinating as well, Tays, is their biggest change they've made is the at the front with the f- – more aggressively loaded front wing. They've also gone for the um, front suspension with the push rod, one push rod lower than the other, basically combining what Mercedes and Red Bull have been doing.
2: Yeah, it's fascinating. It is a really interesting engineering solution. Uh, I think it does give us a bit of insight into some of the dramas that Martin may have had last year, but their front grip throughout the test looked really competitive and consistent. We saw a lot of cars understeering all over the joint, but as the trackside commentators uh, mentioned quite a few times, the Ferrari, the Red Bull, and the Aston Martin all looked really stable in sustained corners. Um, and yeah, with good grip. So it's going to be interesting to see how they go. We know that Alonso is very good at adapting to a car, regardless of what sort of front grip it offers. Famously, his Renault back in the day was low front grip, and he's won two championships with it. So if it's got good front grip, we'll see what uh, Fernando's
1: able to do with it. The other thing to point out as well is the, the side pods is how aggressive the front cut and the outwash components were are at the rear. It's almost like you could just fit an entire body in what they've done with the side pods. That was
2: fascinating actually. Their drop-off is huge at the back, which we see is very similar to the Red Bull. Ferrari and them, less of a drop-off and um a bit of a more drag reduction philosophy. But yeah, that Aston Martin really tapers off towards the back. And it's going to be interesting to see how that affects the floor at the back of the car and then their rear downforce in, in hand.
1: Taste, I'm going to give you this one. Ferrari, I, I would have loved to have seen yellow being splashed permanently on, but what we got in terms of delivery is still pretty good.
2: Yeah, I agree. That yellow from Monza last year was gorgeous. I think every fan loved that. Um, but the addition of the Ferrari on the back wing, it's very cool. It also kind of accentuates when the DRS is open or not. So it's also helpful from a race perspective, but a bit more black on the car, consistent with the weight-saving, you know, exposed carbon for cars, uh, paint weighs, you know, grams. So obviously getting rid of that will help a little bit. Um, but the team launch itself was phenomenal. They haven't gone this half-effort half, half effort approach of just showing the old car with the new livery on it. They launched the new car and then do five laps with it in front of fans around Fiorano as well. So that was pretty phenomenal i think they won a lot of cookie points around
1: the formula one world for that the in the interesting thing for me is that for the car everyone's been talking about the engine we, we all know that the engine's reliability looks like it's been improved it's going to make it more competitive but the front wing
2: yeah fascinating Fascinating. The um those gap separators are interesting. It's also a bit of a different shape from last year. And the nose stopping at the um the second uh main plane on the front wing looks like it's trying to encourage a bit more air under the car and through the uh the tunnels and down the sides. So it's interesting. It's a bit of a departure from last year. Obviously the nose shape changed as well. So a bit of an evolution of last year, but we'll see how well it performs in the first three, four races.
1: Then we come to the Mercedes and Riley, obviously the big talking point is the color of it, but they haven't done it for show. It,
3: there's actually a purpose to it. Yeah, look, the return of the black sleek Mercedes, they've gone back to their black Mercedes, although it's more been allowed for the weight rather than the aesthetic of the car. Um, yes, yeah, so they also have kept with their concept around the 0.5 side pod design of the car, but there are indications that they could bring back full side pods at some point mind you Williams also tried this last year and ditched it pretty quickly and and that was a big thing taste last year because obviously one of the they think
1: one of the rumors is is that the lack of side pods is one of the main aspects to causing the porpoising within this car yeah yeah it looks like
2: it was clearly they think that they have a workaround for it seeing that they've stuck with it till at least halfway through this year um but it's it's very unique throughout the field. And their porpoising was noticeably worse than everyone else's. Through the test, they looked okay, uh, porpoising-wise at least. But, yeah, we'll see if they can adapt it into a race-winning package. Obviously, they won Brazil at the end of last year, so it looks like there's hope for them. But how consistent it is across how many different types of tracks is yet to be seen.
1: The other thing I, I noticed, Tais, was the very aggressive cannon that they've got set up at the top of the car now you want to maybe explain to our listeners what we're referring to by this cannon um i believe you're talking about the air box at the top
0: um
2: panelling air for the power unit it is interesting um whilst power unit changes aren't really allowed except for reliability clearly they've had some sort of adjustment to it uh the roll hoops of course changed for the safety but yeah it is a lot bigger so whether they've gone for more cooling through air in the top of the air box and Less cooling along the sides, considering they don't have side pods, um, is yet to be seen. They may close off the louvers that they have along the side of the car at a bunch of races. But yeah, it's definitely quite visually striking. I'll say that.
1: We then come to Alpine Tace and, well, they're doing it again. They're running two separate liveries and I believe they're increasing the, the pink livery runs this year. Yeah. Yeah. They're bringing back that pink BWT
2: livery for the first, I think it's the first three, first three races, is it? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not the biggest fan of the livery, but you've, you can understand from their perspective with BWT being a pretty major sponsor for them and a pretty big cash injection. It's good to see that they're, you know, honoring that and shouting them out a little bit. Um, but I definitely prefer the, the blue livery with a bit of pink on it. I think it actually looks pretty good. I'd put that in my top three or four cars on the grid visually.
1: And um, the original launch that they did was basically a show launch. There's been some, some changes around it, but I think the biggest issue, the biggest thing that they were focusing on was reliability in this car.
2: Yeah. Watching Fernando last year, there was a big hurrah of um, Ocon beating Fernando in the points, but it was largely because the car kept failing whenever Fernando was in a competitive position. So a lot of reliability changes to be made. There's been a bit of hype about them as well. People expect them to be a little bit, faster they want to be closer to mercedes and the constructors so we'll see how well their changes come through bit elusive in testing hard to tell where they're really sitting not a lot of performance runs so
1: it will be interesting what what was fast two things that are fascinating with me i mean first time was a pretty easy one they managed to work out what the issue was with the engine and what was silly about the whole thing was that it wasn't actually the engine itself it's quite a good engine that they've got it was a faulty water pump yeah
2: Honestly, at Formula One, you'd expect you could do a water pump well. Um, They are at a disadvantage considering they're the only team running their engine, but yeah, that's that's quite a small issue that's caused a lot of problems last year. So hopefully we'll see a bit more of a competitive edge from them this year.
1: The other thing I've noticed as well is like Mercedes, Alpine have gone very aggressive with the weight loss around the paint, but they've gone with the plan that they're going to compensate for that with using ballast and doing it deliberately so they can position ballast where they want it
2: yeah it's interesting it's it's nice to see a variety of solutions for the weight uh the weight issues of this current generation of car ballast being quite a classic solution we've had it for years in formula one so i'm keen to see how they're going to play with it and what they aim to achieve with it um and what other changes they make in hand with it around the car uh to complement it and get the best out of their package but it should be interesting definitely a creative solution
1: and with that, we now come to the thoughts on that Bahrain test. I'm going to get um, Riley and Taste to give us their thoughts about whether the team's won, loss or if there's something hiding within each of the teams. We'll get a quick quick point from each of them. Riley, starting off with you, Red Bull.
3: Ah, oh, look, I think they've won that test. Great three days of testing. Max looked great, uh, even taking the day off for the final day of testing. Um, car looked smooth for the drivers. Checo. Not so as song, um, not so, uh, sorry, wasn't as on song like Max, but still strong. I mean, you expect that performance from these boys. They're, they're, they're the team to beat again. Taste, once again to you, Ferrari. Uh, oh, look, it's an
2: interesting one. We didn't look to have the outright pace of Red Bull, which I tried to ignore and say, look, we're focusing on long runs, we're focusing on reliability and whatnot. Um, we look consistent, but the tyre degradation remains. A bit of a factor it looks like we get about 10 laps into our long runs and then the times drop off fairly considerably so hopefully not another year of a plethora of pole positions and not a lot of wins with max chasing us down obviously with that ominous looking red bull mm-hmm. um but yeah change has been made engine should be a little bit stronger which should help us on the straights which we saw the amount of times we got absolutely sourced by red bull on the straights last year it was difficult to watch so consistent reliable but whether it has the longevity, we'll see.
1: Riley Aston Martin.
3: Yeah, wow. What a test. I'm I'm pumped to see Alonso behind that wheel, like I've said before, uh, who seems just to be getting better and better. Um, Stroll's injury, a little bit of a hiccup, but uh, Drogovic standing in for Stroll seemed to be pretty comfy in the car um, with his small sections of tests. But yeah, look, Alonso, great in that car, really quick. And I don't know, Aston Martin could seriously be nipping at the heels of Mercedes. They're contenders at that top of the midfield pack. And if I'm an Aston Martin fan, I'd be itching for this season to get underway. Taste Mercedes. Yeah,
2: not as good as obviously we know they expect being eight-time world champions over the last few years. But uh, day two, they had that hydraulic failure with George, which I'm sure scared a lot of people in the team and it's disheartening for fans. Uh, knowing Mercedes, they come back from these sorts of things really quickly. Um, We saw last year they were shocking at the start of the year and then really competitive, challenging Ferrari at the end of last year. Um, So I'm sure they'll find a fix to it. But, yeah, it was a bit of a shaky test for them. I think they're not so sure themselves where they're sitting in the pecking order. So this weekend will be fascinating to see where they shake out come Q3.
1: Riley, Alpine, and the big question was, was, were they actually struggling
3: or do you think they were sandbagging? Oh, look, personally, I think they were sandbagging. The car did look a little stiff, uh, a little slow. So yeah, that could've, they could have they could have been playing that sandbagging card. I guess they've got some upgrades um, in the future that I guess are a little bit exciting. The team looked pretty happy, and um, look, they're after a higher finish than last year. Both Gasly and Ocon, I feel, going to be the interesting pairing of the grid together, given their frosty pass. So look, a team to keep an eye on uh, throughout the Bahrain race, especially. Um, and look, we'll see how they start this season.
1: Tais, Alfa Romeo.
2: Yeah, this was a good test for them, I think. Um, they did have what we, I think was confirmed as a gearbox issue with Bottas. Um, but other than that, they were quick. They went for a mm. few glory runs on a couple of the days. So both Jo and Bottas were quite far up the time, timetable. So it's going to be interesting for them where they shake out. I think it's only really they can go up from here. Uh, being ninth in the Constructors last year, they should be a little more competitive this year with the Ferrari improvements and their own improvements uh, but, yeah, it should be should be an interesting start to the season for them.
1: Riley Mac- McLaren.
3: Yeah, look, not great uh, from a pretty average year last year with a lot of brake dramas. Now the wheelbrow's causing issues with the braking again. Um, they completed the fewest laps across the teams um, and were towards the back of the pack with time developments compared to last year, so not great overall. Oscar definitely wasn't overly impressive, but, look, he's still young. The car's just... Missing speed, I guess. Uh, I don't see them coming too hot out of the gates in Bahrain, which is which is concerning for a team that should be, you know, pushing that best of the rest card. They should be up there fighting with Mercedes, but I just can't see this being their year again. Taste Haas. It was an
2: interesting one for Haas. They did a lot of laps and they were consistent over the laps, but there was nothing too eye-grabbing about them. They seemed to just get their programs done Consistently, they obviously have Hulkenberg and Magnussen is a pretty experienced and quick lineup. I think we can say. Um, so for them, uh, the reserve driver Pietro, uh, Pietro Fittipaldi, was saying he thinks the car's anywhere between fifth quickest to seventh quickest. So mm-hmm. backed on that, I'd probably go fifth. They looked solid; didn't look like they had too many major issues. So yeah, I expect them to be somewhere around the Alpine Aston Martin mark.
1: Riley.
3: An interesting one for you, Williams. Oh, yeah, like where did all this pace come from? So uh, they had a really solid test, turned it up on the mileage point of things. Sergeant completed a mammoth amount of laps. Um, but I'm excited to see them next week in qualifying. Uh, I'm enjoying seeing, I'll enjoy seeing a team, hopefully that has struggled a lot in the past, uh, seem comfortable. The drivers seemed happy too. So all around, I think positive testing for Williams. Maybe putting pressure in that midfield this year. It's definitely stiffened up and I think they're going to be really good.
1: And then finally taste Alpha Tauri. Yeah, they were a little bit unremarkable this
2: test, which I guess can be a good thing considering they didn't have a bunch of failures, but the only time they were really notable or spoken of was when DeVries was cut in laps and, you know, the public interest for him joining Formula One is pretty large. Um so they have they're a bit of a wild card, I think, especially considering the midfield is so tight. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see where they shake out in the midst of that and where Nick does, but Yeah, nothing too notable. They're not really that similar to the Red Bull in terms of car design, so we don't expect crazy things from them. Uh, And obviously, Sonoda leading the team this year will be interesting to see how they develop the car throughout the year. So I think the first two, three races is going to be interesting to see where they sort of slot themselves in in that midfield.
1: I'm not going to ask you for a prediction for who wins the Drivers and the Constructors' Championship because as the old saying goes, anything can happen in Formula 1, and it usually does. Yeah. Um, but with that in mind, I'm going to ask you for one crazy prediction for what's going to happen this year. It could be a first-off win for someone. It could be a where did that transfer come from, or it could be someone saying or something doing so
3: something so utterly stupid that it just leaves you scratching your head. Riley, go for it. Oh, Look, I think Daniel Ricardo comes back in and gets a podium. <laughs> oh imagine that no look that's just me. I would love to see that happen. But I think there's a lot of obvious things that could happen. I think the one thing, I don't know, look, you are bold going against Red Bull. I would love to see Ferrari just go nuts this year and really take them on. And who knows? A Charles Leclerc World Drive Championship. It's look, he's probably second in line to grab that, but it's it's still bold. Going up, uh going up against that Red Bull, I would, you know, I'd still love to see it taste that was a pretty good one there so riley is called daniel ricardo replaces sergio perez and gets a podium this year i can see i can just see, i can see something happening there's going to be a, there's going to be an argument max won't be happy checo will go who knows for how long race or two you watch daniel ricardo grinning behind that red bull yeah, I don't know. Know. Who,
2: who knows? Know. If there's any team that's going to drop a driver and replace them in the middle of a season, it's Red Bull. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know. And, we'll and Ricardo with the history and Checo <laughs> and Max with their little spat at the end of last year after Brazil, it would be fascinating. Ricardo's quick. Obviously, we've seen him struggle relative to a teammate, but in his Red Bull days, he was as competitive as Max. So, look, if he did come back, which would shock me, but would I'd love it. I think we'd all love it. And oh, yeah, um, yeah I'd, I wouldn't bet against it. My pick would be, I think Lando might get his first race win this year. Maybe we'll see a, a hungry Ocon or a Gasly Monza situation. Uh, I'd be very open to that. Uh, and I think we're all watching the wait for Gasly and Ocon to get close to yes. each other on track and blow it up.
1: That yeah, would be fascinating. Cool. I am going to go out on, on a limb here with this. I think it will happen at Alpine. And I reckon it's going to be Gasly that gets the punt from him because Ocon will go, nah, I am not having him around. So I think it's going to be Gasly gets the punt and you watch, he's going to line himself up to take the seat at Mercedes.
2: Oh, that's a good call considering the history that he has with Mercedes being brought up by them. But it it is notable that if you think back to Force India slash Racing Point, Ocon getting into it with Perez. Then last year we had Ocon running into Alonso in the second race of the year. I think if there's going to be an instigator, it's going to be Ocon. So if they mm. get rid of
3: Gasly, that's a
2: hell of a statement.
3: Yeah, there it is there. Who do, you, who do you think is going to lead that team though? Out of Pierre Gasly and Ocon? Oh, it's got to be Ocon, know.
2: doesn't it? It's got to be Ocon. Just because he's been with the team. He knows the car from last year, the direction they were going, the
1: weaknesses. I'd expect Def- don't forget you've got Otmar Safnauer, who's worked with him for years as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's so, a good point.
2: That's a very good point. Yeah. He would probably favor Esteban over, over Pierre. Yeah.
1: yeah. It'll be interesting. Well, ladies and gentlemen, with that, we have come to the checkered flag here on splinters. What an episode this was, and we are looking forward to the race this weekend, the Bahrain formula one, a grand prix. I want to thank, my contributors here tonight, Taste Wiggins, thank you very much. And we look forward to seeing you joining us more throughout the course of the year and possibly a brand new podcast to come, I believe. Yeah, we'd love to do one consistently following the
2: races. Um, it's going to be a fascinating season. Obviously, we want it to be closer. If we get the proper Ferrari Red Bull fight, being, you know, avid Ferrari boys as we are, Anthony, I'm sure we'll be quite
3: vocal throughout the season. So yeah, we'll <laughs> see
2: more. you'll see more of me this year and hopefully we'll see some great racing.
3: I might Riley. join that Ferrari club. I might join that Ferrari club this year. Oh, please oh, do. Oh, yes. Do it. Oh, do it. Do it, do it Riley. Cool, we're
1: just the best, mate. Riley, yeah. thank you very much for joining us tonight as well.
3: Thank you so much, Anthony. It's been great having a chat. Absolutely.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Splinters on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at triplehfm.com.au and available for download at podcast.com, triple HFM.com.au and wherever you get your podcasts. On behalf of Taste Wiggins and Riley Warner, I'm Anthony
0: Caruso. Run hard or run home. Good night. Thank you for joining us for Splinters, your no-holds-barred sports podcast. You can also find us streaming on the web at www.hhfm.com.au and available for download at podcasts.com and all good podcast and streaming sites.